Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Now, from Happy Valley, here's your host, Brian Tripp. Hello, thanks for stopping by. Great to be with you again for another episode of Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. I'm Brian Tripp, your host, and this week's guest is Nikki Jupi, the Assistant AD for Performance Nutrition Services. We'll learn about Nikki's past, how she ended up in this field, but also what she does to help inform, educate, and feed more than 800 student-athletes at Penn State, spanning 31 varsity sports. Nikki and her team are just some of the great resources available to student-athletes here at Penn State. If you missed our sports performance podcast series last month, and we're also going to be talking to other members of the team, the resources available here at Penn State over the next couple of episodes as well. I think you're really going to enjoy not only this episode with Nikki today, but some of the episodes that we have coming up. So without further ado, let's turn it over to my conversation with Nikki Jupi, the Assistant AD for Performance Nutrition Services. Thanks for listening to Let's Go State the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Nikki, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to this podcast today. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, the first thing we always ask our guests to do, your title is the Assistant AD for Performance Nutrition Services. Explain your role for someone who may not be within the athletics family so they understand what you do on a day-to-day basis. All right, so the easiest way to explain that is food. So talking about nutrition as a department. That's everyone's favorite topic, <laughs> it, by the way. It honestly is because everyone loves to eat. Everyone is a foodie nowadays. So it is fun to be able to talk about that and have the feedback. And when we talk about food, you honestly want to talk about the nutrition or what kind of the nitty gritty of that is. But in reality, being an assistant AD of performance nutrition, it's food and nutrition and then how that affects the performance of the athlete which is a little bit different than maybe just you or I going out and trying to find our favorite meal because I don't know about you. I don't want to speak for you, but I am not a high level athlete, especially at this stage of my life. So when you're going through and working with the teams, first, maybe explain it's not just you. You have some folks that you work with. What does your staff makeup look like and who else you're working with within the sports performance team? Because all of this is interwoven in so many ways. Yeah. So really exciting about working here is I do get to work with two other full-time dietitians and we do have one part-time dietitian and then one that is seeking her credential this month, which is pretty exciting. So hopefully when she is able to crush that test, we will have a total of five registered dietitians. And so there is a little caveat there. A dietitian and a nutritionist are different. We can touch on that later, but for our 31 sports, we would have five which is really, really exciting. We also have a great nutrition program here with the Penn State campus Mm -hmm. and World Campus. So we have several students that are interested in being able to kind of see what performance nutrition is, going through the undergraduate degree and even the graduate degree and being able to kind of, I would say intern, but they actually have to have class credit or be paid here at Penn State. So we do have independent studies that, undergraduates can be involved in to be able to learn more about performance nutrition. And that just really adds to the department and really adds to the profession and being able to collaborate with campus is really exciting. 
you'll learn doing this podcast and one for follow-up questions. And you already set it up, I, but we're not going to wait. Explain the difference between nutritionist and a dietitian. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to really toot the horn of the dietitian and understanding that the dietitian has to go through a four-year accredited program. So you have to take an undergraduate program in nutrition and be able to accumulate accredited hours through those courses and some internships and then sit for a registered test. It's a national test. It's actually really hard. And it's kind of similar to what you would say as a registered nurse. So everyone knows there's a board exam at the end of that education level for undergraduate and there's also a master's there same thing so our degree is moving towards a master's only so you will have to have a an undergraduate and a master's to be able to become a dietitian in year 2024 I believe so we are already transitioning that way to be able to kind of set ourselves apart a nutritionist can do anything they could read a book about nutrition and claim they're a nutritionist they can get a quote-unquote certification what the biggest difference is is liability so as a dietitian not only do we get to talk about nutrition and what that looks like macronutrients micronutrients etc we also get to do medical nutrition therapy so that is really looking at disease and how nutrition can help with the disease elements or being able to not cure the disease, but help with that. So say a type one diabetic, mm -hmm. we can go there. Eating disorders, we can go there. Um, insert kind of any kind of medical diagnosis. There is a nutrition component with it. So the biggest difference is the liability piece. You want to make sure you're getting accredited information from someone that has done the work. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not excited for those that have interest in doing certifications, but the difference is that educational piece, that exam piece, and then uh, being able to look at that as a whole totality. And on a campus of more than 800 student athletes, you have to be ready for every possible situation scenario that could be out there. Now that sets up the next part really easily. Explain how you got interested in this field and a little bit about your background. I know you were at Oregon and Texas A&M before coming to Penn State. Yeah, so I am from Texas. I'm a Texas through and through. So I went to a really small college called Stephen F. Austin mm -hmm. in Nacogdoches, Texas. I did my undergraduate and graduate degree there. Stephen F. Austin Roadrunners? No, oh. Lumberjacks, Lumberjacks, let's go. And whenever <laughs> they went to the March Madness, I yep. was like screaming at the top of my lungs. So it's, <laughs> it's fun to, to see those, uh, those uh, alumni get excited for, you know, I don't know, it's a small school and... East Texas. You, everyone asks, oh, that's in Austin, Texas. Actually, no, it's next to Louisiana. But regardless, they have a great nutrition program. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And someone from my high school was going to school there and kind of talked to me about nutrition. I always loved nutrition. I always loved sports. I thought that was athletic training. I don't do blood very well. I can do sweat. <laughs> I can do pee. I can't do broken bones or blood. It makes me queasy. And so when I got there, I I flew kind of right in. I actually started at McLennan Community College as a first-generation uh, student. So I'm the first person in my family to go to college. That's so awesome. I started there. Congratulations. Thank you. Transferred to Stephen F. Austin, did nutrition and dietetics as my undergrad, and then I, again, getting into that internship, actually didn't get in my first round and did a master's in kines had great mentorship there, and then got in that second round and was able to do a master's in nutrition. So from there, I had a really great experience in interning with Amy Culp at UT and was able to actually solidify a Gatorade immersion 
program. So it's called the SNP. So shout out to our uh, Gatorade and the CPSDA or the Collegiate Professional Sports Dietitian Association for being able to offer that. I was in cohort two, which placed me at Texas A&M and I got to stay on and had great mentorship there, worked with all sports, football and volleyball and track and field and swimming and diving and really was able to have that appreciation of looking what what fuel stations are and that was 2014 when the NCAA passed deregulation so we could give more food to athletes it wasn't just peanut butter and bagels anymore (laughs) after a year there I went to Baylor had a killer job there I had a great time had great mentorship again I actually met our assistant AD of applied Sports science, he's going to kill me with that. But Nellie, or Dr. Nelson over here at Penn State, and that's kind of where our relationship began at Baylor. We were both assistants there at the time, Mm -hmm. and so able to grow there. Oregon called me twice. Oregon usually doesn't call twice. I went there for five years, and then Nellie came knocking on the door and said, hey, we have an opportunity here at Penn State. Would you be interested? And obviously at that point, you're always looking to grow and have opportunities to kind of further Further education in being able to take on more leadership skills was something I was looking forward to. So I landed here at Penn State and I've been here for two years now. Oh, that's awesome. We're so happy to have you here at Penn State. And there's so many different aspects of it. The needs change by sport. Each sport has different resources in season, out of season, travel. What is the overall vision and goals, though, when you're working with any of our 31 teams and all the different student athletes on campus? Honestly, food first. We really want to push that fueling principle of food first. We want to make sure we're providing optimal nutrition experiences within the Penn State ICA. So all those 31 sports, we want them to be aiming to have food first fueling principles. With that, we understand that we really want to drive high performance. We want it to be research centered. We want it to be evidence based. And we want to make sure we're providing assessments, education and counseling when we can. We want to develop the elite level student athlete while promoting their overall health and well-being. So we really want to dive into kind of three components as our mission statement. Mm-hmm. That's going to be engaging with the athlete, educating the athlete and fueling the athlete. All right. So that's the overall vision. You outlined the services. <laughs> Let's dive into each of them and go a little bit deeper. Yeah. So being able to educate our athletes, that's looking at like team-wide education. Mm-hmm. So being able to just kind of talk about overarching components such as micronutrients. Do you know what those are? Do you know what macronutrients are? You got to explain it now. Our audience wants to know. All right. So for macronutrients, we're thinking big, right? We're thinking carbs, proteins, fats. Those give us the energy. Mm -hmm. Micro, we're thinking small. So those micronutrients or those vitamins or minerals, they don't necessarily give you the energy, but as a basketball analogy, they're the assist to the dunk, right? Yep. So we want to be able to make sure that everything is working together. So we're really just talking about those things in big kind of overall arching modalities of, hey, team, hockey versus wrestling versus football. Yes, the, all the fundamentals could be the same, but we're going to apply them a little bit differently to be able to adapt to the demands of your sport. Department education, we really want to be able to understand that not just the athlete needs to be educated, but department-wide. So we do work with the sports performance team and how are we educating our support staffs Mm -hmm. on education and our educational messages through nutrition. So being able to make sure that we're staying up with the 
research and also communicating that to strength and conditioning, to mental health, to uh, sports science, to athletic training, and same thing, uh, us being able to be educated um, by our counterparts. Nellie, or Dr. Josh Nelson, has built a really incredible performance hub through teams that we do try to do education through as well. Each team has one, and we do try to kind of put out some educational flyers. Same thing with group messages and being able to kind of individualize some of that education for our teams. Being able to provide grocery store tours, any kind of cooking demos, social media, or any kind of website education. All right. That's what our fans are going to want to hear about. So you're <laughs> taking these guys to the, the grocery store. You're doing cooking. Uh, explain that because I think that's fascinating. I've seen pictures up on social media of teams coming and doing little protein ball lessons or the football team going over and doing a whole culinary school pretty right. much. Explain that. All right. So they're fun because the one of the things that we do ask is like, if I dropped you in a grocery store, would mm-hmm. you know how to navigate it? And obviously, you kind of get looked at like, uh, yeah, I know where maybe. the chips are. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I know where the candy is. So it is being able to navigate. How do you do? You walk the perimeter. Do you know where the deli section is? Do you know where the what market means? AKA proteins. Do you know where the produce section is? Do you know produce is fruits and vegetables? What are we looking for in the aisles? And how do we want to? kind of shop the perimeter. What are we looking for? Are we making a grocery list? Do you know how to make a grocery list? Things like that. So the when I'm looking at a grocery store tour in the very first one, I usually set it up as a scavenger hunt. So I try to make it fun and giving them kind of like a little bit of a prop and then going to find it. That's Do cool. you know what that looks like? Just to get them to navigate around the grocery store mm-hmm. because sometimes you're kind of timid in new environments and a grocery store can be intimidating. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I'm intimidated every time I walk in. <laughs> this is interesting though, because, the, and we'll jump back into the other prongs here that we wanted to talk about, but you and I were discussing before we started that you're not always with the student athletes. You can control what's at their fueling station or the team can control what's at a, a training table or a pregame meal. But there's a lot of times these athletes, when they're away from campus and when they're away from their programs, they're building whatever building it may be on campus, that's when some of the most valuable work is done, sleep, nutrition. So they need to have the tools and resources to be able to do this on their own. And these, we joke about going to the chips and candy aisle, but, but these are high-level, highly competitive athletes. They want to make sure that their bodies are fueled at the very best so they can excel on the field. Yeah, so it is fun. It Just un- understanding everyone comes from a different background and mm-hmm. how we can – Uh, meet them where they are and educate them where they are. And nutrition is a life skill. So if they don't really know how to formulate a grocery store kind of list, Mm -hmm. then are we kind of working with them on a one-on-one assessment? And that kind of goes into that engagement piece. But how can we, one, be able to cultivate the ideas of like, oh, yeah, like I can put this and this and this together Mm -hmm. and it can help me or I can know how to read a nutrition label and help me. And then the next thing is like, do they know how to cook anything? Do they know have pots and pans and spatulas and how to turn the oven on? Or is it electric? Is it gas? Like what is medium heat versus high heat and mm-hmm. all the things, right? Like we take all those little things for granted whenever we're at home or, you know, mom and dad are cooking for us. Grandma's cooking for us. You know, whoever that main provider is in their, in their home is doing, we kind of just always watch them, but we're never really engaged in that teaching piece. Well, you mentioned it uh, a couple of minutes ago, and I just mentioned it. Training table, fueling station. Can you explain what that is to a fan who's listening to this that may not know and when and how those are available for athletes? And what is at 
those meals or snacks for an athlete? Yeah. So there is a difference. So when we're thinking about the NCAA and when I said deregulation earlier and giving them more than a peanut butter and a bagel, a fueling station, now we can pretty much give any kind of food item and it's not considered a meal. And we have each of those in every of our facilities on campus. Yeah, we actually are. It's very exciting because we are growing. You're going to see some new additions and new highlights yep. in different areas. So football has uh, just completed theirs. East area is on the way to being complete. White building is going to have a revamp. Multi-sport is going to have a revamp. It's really exciting times right now for the fueling stations. And what that provides is dry goods so things that they can easily put in their bag to go to class or go out to the field um, or kind of in between times but also pre and post practice so grabbing something that's going to kind of top off their fuel tank coming in changing in the locker room and then post making sure that they're recovering like quick when they get back into that locker room training table is the actual meal piece so Mm -hmm. this is where you're going to see the chicken, the rice, the broccoli, the real food components, and being able to create a meal. And with that food first kind of fueling principle, we really want to make sure that what we're talking about and how we're educating, they can see that in that training table and be able to visualize and build that plate. Everyone knows that there are different hour regulations that athletes have for when they can be with coaches and with personnel during season, out of season, and you know whether it's an eight-hour week or a 20-hour week, what are the different things that you can do from a nutritional standpoint in season versus out of season? And how important is it for an athlete to maintain a well-balanced diet between you know gearing up for a big game? But it may be completely different if they're trying to bulk and, and grow some mass during the off-season. Right. So that kind of leads us into that engagement. Yep. So when we're talking about engaging with the athletes, this really looks like Whenever they come in on their physical, are we doing an assessment, kind of understanding their nutrition knowledge, and then kind of understanding what their goals are, what their goals in the sport that they want to do. Does it match kind of their position? What what are we going through? And I don't want to say their goals can be completely different than, you know, maybe the coach's goals. They are aligned, but sometimes you got to be able to get the athlete to baby steps right Mm -hmm. so they see i want to be 20 pounds heavier and it's like okay but we let's be five pounds heavier first and what does that look like and so let's make smart goals we want to be make them simple measurable attainable be able to have a timeline and get you to that 20 pound increase or vice versa we want to you want to kind of lean up and build muscle what does that look like a lot of the times it is being able to educate them on the performance plate we like to call it and what the plate looks like so is it a half plate of you know carbs in a protein portion and fruits and vegetables is it a half plate fruits and vegetables protein in a carb portion what do those look like and that's kind of where we kind of come full circle in that team education their assessments and then understanding that in season we may not be trying to reach huge goals so adding tons of mass we may need to maintain so we can get through the season but maybe in the off season that's where we really hone in on those goals and we make the most of the adaptations it's very difficult when there's more than 800 student athletes to individualize for each of them you try but it's very difficult to do how much is team-based how much is position-based and then how do you maintain those open lines of engagement with each individual athlete, just being seen, being around, and having the opportunity to discuss any questions they may have with them. 
Right. So the engagement is really important at presence, at practice, or at competitions. Now, granted, you know, questions happen when you're seen or when you're around. And sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, they're more quick to ask a question on the fly because you're in the locker room setting something up or you're at a practice and they're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I was going to text you or going to call you and ask you about this. But can we talk about this really fast? And you can have some of those touch points that can be really impactful. And again, it's all about the education. Nutrition is so individualized that we want to be able to make sure that they're engaged in their individual nutrition and can be confident in making some of those decisions and being able to kind of fill out their body. Their body's really going to tell them what it needs from a recovery standpoint, from a sleep standpoint, from a hydration standpoint. So we want them to be able to be in tune with their body, reach for food first, and then be able to ask us those questions. It is hard to have a reach to 850 and a lot of the times people think meal plans are the way to go. And yeah, they're a great guide, but at the end of the day, we're still humans and life happens and we have to make adaptations every day. And we don't want to feel like you have to stick to a rigid schedule if things happen and we want you to be able to adjust. I think that's a great example because we were talking before, if you're on a 10 hour bus trip with the softball team or the baseball team, and you have to stop for lunch, your options can sometimes be a little bit limited. So it's having the tools to make the best decisions where, okay, maybe this isn't the ideal option, but you can still make better decisions with what's presented to you. And look, one meal may not be the be-all, end-all if it's lunch three days before or two days before a competition, but especially you know in those hours leading up to a competition, what that ideal pregame meal may look like might be most vital to a certain athlete. Right. And I'd really hit on the the point of meeting the athlete where they are. I would rather the athlete eat than not eat. Yep. So at the end of the day, it may not be the most ideal, but as long as they're getting some sort of fuel in them and being able to have the education to say, okay, can we add a vegetable? I always joke with athletes too. I'm like, just put one green bean on the plate. Put one broccoli <laughs> on the plate. Like you're going to eat it. At least you got one. Try it. And again, it, it's hide like, it in your mashed potatoes. You won't even taste yeah, exactly. it. Right. <laughs> just meeting them where they are and, and having a good time with it and being able to, to build that rapport and trust with them. And currently at Penn state, there's so much investment in making sure the athletes have all of the resources they need to excel. So you're part of a growth period right now. What is next for performance, nutrition? Like what, what do you envision the field continuing to evolve in and things that might be on the horizon? Because we, it, it's very difficult to predict the future, but we know everyone's trying to always be one step ahead of the competition. Yeah, I really do think doing a multidisciplinary team and putting everyone together, we're just pieces of a larger puzzle and we want to be able to make sure that you know what nutrition is doing is in advancing strength and conditioning advancing sports science advancing mental health and the same thing so we really want to be able to have the performance team move as a unit and not that we're not doing that now but we always are adding we just added two more mental health practitioners and that's huge for us and being able to really recognize mental health and eating disorders or being able to recognize potentially students that are at risk and how that really plays a role in their performance and potentially nutrition. So being able to move as a unit and 
making more individualistic assessments, even though we have 31 sports, it can be overwhelming when you're thinking 850 athletes not have to do individual assessments for them. It's really why you have a team and you have a team approach and that multidisciplinary team with a sports performance team is really important to advance where we want to go in the future. All right. So all this talk about food is, has made me hungry <laughs> and I'm not saying it has to be a nutritious meal, but let's learn a b- little bit more about you. Okay. If you had to pick one food, what is it? What's I, your ride or die? Like my ride or die is like, there's two, to be honest. It's either tacos cause I'm from Texas mm-hmm. uh, or brisket. I love some good barbecue. So I know like those didn't include vegetables, but those are my go-tos. If you get some pico on your tacos, though. I know. Some guac, that's how those healthy fats are in there. I had to ask that question to, to wrap this up. There was no better way. Plus, I am starving. I didn't eat lunch yet. <laughs> I it's only that. It's only 1127, and I, this is making me hungry talking about food. But our student-athletes are so fortunate to have someone like you and your staff and to have that resource available to them. And you can tell how much they enjoy having access to this knowledge, the engagement, and everything that you and your team do. So really appreciate you sharing it with our fans. And thanks so much for taking time on the podcast. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I've learned a lot. I've been able to experience sports I didn't grow up with. And it's been fun learning new sports. It's been fun interacting with everyone and being able to be a part of such a a strong system 31 sports, 850 athletes, a large support staff, and kind of that new uh, invigorating growth mindset. It's been fun to see. So what, Texas lacrosse? Definitely not lacrosse in Texas, right? No hockey, guys. Apparently there is some, but I don't know where. I haven't seen it. But hockey's been fun to learn. No wrestling that I've seen. Bo Nickel was from Texas. Bo Nickel is from Texas, and we did bond over that. Okay, that's a couple. (laughs) But yeah, Nikki, thanks so much. Appreciate your time.